Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. friends welcome back to another episode of this podcast the roto world football podcast as you know it's the most important podcast in the universe my name is josh norris and today my friends today we'll have roto pat on later on while i pick on his rankings we'll have evan silva on in just a minute but first i want to tell you thank you for the support i appreciate it if this is your first time listening to the podcast and you enjoy it for any moment i'm talking to you zach and trevor and brad and Lucy and Sarah, all of you, if you listen and enjoy, subscribe to this podcast. And if the five of you are subscribed already, rate and review it. That helps us out as well. Um, Tune into Roto World Live this Sunday, noon Eastern. Guess what? Do you like pregame shows? Probably not. You'll like this one. Trust me. Give it a shot. It's on Roto World's YouTube page. And I know that there's a Sunday morning game at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Let us be like your second screen a little bit. Again, noon Eastern kickoff. You're the backbone of the show, and we answer all your start-sit questions and help you set your optimal lineup. All right, now it is time for Evan. Oh, before I get to that, I have one more thing to say. The DFS toolkit is free on Rotoworld right now through October 29th, and then after October 29th, it is half off for the rest of the year. Um, The DFS toolkit, look, if, if you play DraftKings, Yahoo!, FanDuel, any of those things, I guarantee the DFS toolkit will help you out. And there's no reason not to try it. So go to the DFS toolkit section on Roto World's NFL section, and you'll find it right there. All you have to do is just sign up, and it's free until October 29th. So go ahead and do that. All right, Evan Silva, it's time for you. Evan writes the matchups column, which I'm sure you read. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Um, Evan, we are seven weeks through the NFL season. Week eight is here. Big picture, um, is there something that stands out at the top of your brain, at the front of your brain, from what we've learned through these seven weeks? Uh, my, my focus each week is always on, like, micro matchups, you know. Yeah. So to ask me, like, bigger takeaways, I think it's a little bit difficult to just zoom out because I'm always, like, zoomed in each week. Um, but I think it is important. Um, and I think that... I think that we have seen a good amount of innovation in the NFL. Like we took a, we've taken a really good step forward. And I think that it began uh, actually last Super Bowl week when, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily known how in depth the Eagles had gone in terms of um, like using analytics and trying to find market inefficiencies throughout the NFL and during that Super Bowl week, the two week lead up to the Super Bowl, they were very transparent about it. I mean, Jim Schwartz was willing to talk about how his 
uh, how he gave to his defensive backs heat maps that would show, you know, hey, this team throws the deep balls, you know, to this section and then, you know, this section of the field and, and the DBs are like, well, you know, we're in the game and the, the deep balls are going to this side, you know. And, you know, all, all the like all the, the money that they really pumped into their analytics department and how that was able to create really a decisive advantage uh, over uh, teams that were not doing that. And I think that it has really extended to, you know, not just the use of analytics, but also to uh, being more outside the box thinkers uh, in general, because we're seeing teams, you know, take air raid concepts. And last year was really just the Chiefs. Um that really had incorporated the air raid concepts, but now there are multiple teams doing that. Of course, you know, offshoots of uh, the Chiefs, but uh, also in Tampa Bay, a guy like Todd Monken, who uh, was a pro-style coach for many years, and then he he became the offensive coordinator at uh, Oklahoma State and uh, learned the air raid. That was the first ex- his first exposure to the air raid under Mike Gundy, and uh, he parlayed that into a head coaching job at Southern Miss. He winds up as the wide receivers coach in Tampa Bay. He was our dude from the get-go. You know, we can uh, we, we can sort of uh, thump our chests about that because we we loved him, uh, tying it to Chris Godwin. And Chris Godwin has eight targets inside the ten-yard line, mm-hmm. uh, most in the NFL. Um, and but it, you know, it's I, I think that just teams in general are being more progressive thinkers, and the teams that are not progressive thinking like the Giants and the Raiders, I mean, they're getting buried. Yeah, and it's been a great divider. Like thinkers are, are out kicking their expectations and or at the top of the league. Yeah, it's been a big divider between the teams that are and the teams that aren't, and that gap becomes yeah. more clear each week. Um, okay, Evan, let's talk about those matchups that you referred to, and specifically a few players. Let's start with Tyler Boyd, you know, Last week, when you look at the schedules and the matchups and, you know, if it's red, yellow, or green next to that player's name, uh, there was a green one next to Tyler Boyd's name against Kansas City, and it just didn't work out. I mean, the only player on that offense, well, I guess Joe Mixon did as well, but um, uh, A.J. Green had an unbelievable game, but not so much in the second half. Um, Anyways, Tyler Boyd has put up consistent numbers all year outside of one or two performances. He's not someone that people drafted, right? He's someone that um, they didn't fall into necessarily, but they picked him up. So should their allegiance still be with him this week in a very favorable matchup against the Tampa Bay Bucks? Yeah, so and because people did not draft him, and trust me, I didn't draft him. I was not ahead of this in the slightest. But because people didn't draft him, they still, you know, seven games in, have a sense of, you know, is this going to come to an end? And so when Tyler Boyd become, becomes a little bit less consistent – you know, they question themselves as they should. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that that's bad. I, if, you know, and I, I really don't have Tyler Boyd anywhere, I don't think. And I mean, I, but if I was in that situation, I would question him every, every week because he's a guy that really didn't do very much his first two, first two years in the league. And he's started to become a little bit less consistent. And last week, I did mention in the matchups column that he had a difficult matchup. Uh, the Chiefs play a lot of man coverage. Kendall Fuller got off to a slow start. Uh, to begin the year, uh, but he's played a lot better recently. They really have not gotten hurt by slot receivers since like week two. Um, they've been holding slot receivers uh, to below expectations. So, and I look, I liked him as a play still, um, but there was a reason that he may not have had a big game last week 
uh, and that certainly uh, contributed to it. The just the offense kind of you know laying an egg uh, was, was the biggest contributor. Uh, but this week we get a much better matchup where Tampa Bay, um, you know, it's first of all it's another high total game. The Bengals are back at home where they're going to be more comfortable offensively. Uh, Tampa Bay has just been decimated by injuries. Not going to have Vinnie Curry again. Not going to have Gerald McCoy again. Lost Quan Alexander, their starting middle linebacker, who plays in the middle of the field uh, and likely would have encountered Tyler Boyd quite a bit in this game. Uh, he tore his ACL last week. And if we look at all the slot receivers, and Tyler Boyd is a 71% slot receiver, if we look at the slot receivers that have faced uh, Tampa Bay so far, just crushing them. Jarvis Landry last week, uh, slump buster matchup, 10 for 97 and a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar had his best game, 8 for 88 and a touchdown against Tampa Bay. Mohamed Sanu got hurt uh, against Tampa Bay, but still finished with 2 for 46 and a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, 9 for 116. Michael Thomas in that week one game played a ton of slot, went 16 for 180 and a touchdown. MJ Stewart just not ready to play in the NFL and giving up a lot of touchdowns. Um, and I think that t- this game is the slump buster, just like it was for Jarvis Landry last mm-hmm. week. This is the slump buster for Tyler Boyd. Let's move on to Carryon Johnson, rookie running back. Look, last week, I'm sure some people played him, which they should have, uh, because of the theoretic injury. Guess what? I believe theoretic is still injured. And Carryon Johnson put out an awesome performance. Would have been even better if he didn't get you know, those short touchdowns taken away from LeGarrette Blunt. But guess what? That's why LeGarrette Blunt is in Detroit. Evan, look, we saw this great play from Carryon in the preseason. It's mm-hmm. led to, you know, a season high in snap percentage last week, but he was super efficient with those opportunities, right? Is this still a situation where you hope he can um, imitate that same performance as last week, or do the touches and volume still worry you a little bit? Well, the first thing that stands out to me about the Detroit Lions is that their offensive line is kicking butt, okay? Hmm. Frank Ragnow. Yes, Frank Ragnow, absolutely. Um, but the, what the Lions did in the offseason was they prioritized building up their running game. And they have a defensive-minded coach in Matt Patricia, uh, so that makes sense. Uh, they, they actually traded up ahead of the Bengals mm-hmm. to go get Frank Ragnow. And they also traded up for Kerryon Johnson. So they traded up for a guard-slash-center, and Frank Ragnow, of course, is playing guard. Uh, but he was viewed as a center coming out of Arkansas. Uh, and, Kerryon, and, and they traded up for a running back. So, you know, making those aggressive moves to build up your running game, that sends a clear signal uh, as to what you want to do. And they were hesitant to commit to Kerryon Johnson um, through the first five, six games, but they came out of their bye. They had the week five or the week six bye, and they came out of their bye, and certainly Theo Riddick not playing helped. But uh, Kerryon Johnson was 20, he had 21 touches a season high. He had 59% of the snaps, another season high. He ripped a 71-yard run, which according to next-gen stats, was the third fastest that any running back has been clocked at 21 miles per hour uh, all season long. Um, In terms of the scoring position usage, and LeGarrette Blunt is going to get any of the bunny touchdowns from one or two yards out, but Kerryon Johnson actually has more carries inside the 10 than LeGarrette Blunt has on the season. Kerryon Johnson has 13 and LeGarrette Blunt has 11. Um, so, you know, Carrion is probably going to be like a five, six, seven touchdown guy uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the day, but he can play in the passing game. 
Um, and he's still going to get carries in scoring position. He's just going to have to hit them from a little bit uh, longer out. In terms of, you know, I think that this is a, a good matchup for him as a home favorite against Seattle. Seattle has been pretty solid in run defense, but I th- still think it's, it's an above average matchup. And if we're going to get 17 or 21 touches from Carrion Johnson, I think he's like a borderline RB1. When you played Guitar Hero, did you pick Carrion, My Wayward Son? Um, I, we skipped ahead there a little bit. Uh, what, what was the name of the, uh, the, we'll, the we'll undertaking? Move we'll move on. <laughs> Let's close out with a running back, another rookie, who was fun in the preseason. N- might not necessarily have a profile that exists often in successful running backs in the NFL, Evan. But now he almost certainly will have a role with Bilal Powell on season-ending injured reserve with a neck injury. So I'm talking about Tritton Cannon here, Evan. What's his deal with the Jets now? Bilal Powell out for the season, neck injury. Um, you know, I watch a lot of preseason football. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we, we, we watch pretty much every game. Mm-hmm. For guys like Tritton Cannon. Yes, and we get to see a lot of them. You know, we get to see Carryon Johnson. I mean, that was what, really when I, I fell in love with Carryon Johnson was that first preseason game. Because at Auburn, I was kind of kind of on the fence. I could have gone either way on him. Uh, but then just seeing him play against, like, legit NFL players, and I realized that there are second and third stringers out there. But, you know, all those dudes could have started at Auburn or anywhere in the SEC anyway, you know. Uh, so but that was when I really liked him. But I, I liked Trenton Cannon also in the preseason. I played him a couple times in preseason DFS. He's a small dude, okay? He's 5'10", 185. We talked about him, I think, on a preseason podcast because we talked about uh, is Virginia State even a real place? Right, 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 right. Yeah. He was super productive there, right? Super productive. Um, Dude, if you look at the running backs that got drafted in in this year's draft, Saquon Barkley was the number one spark running back. Do you know who was number two? Was Trenton Cannon number two? Trenton Cannon. Now, Mike Boone was ahead of Trenton Cannon. Oh, yeah. Mike, hey, Evan, Mike Boone do was not, not forget drafted. about my guy, Mike Boone. Exactly. But Mike, Mike Boone was not drafted. But Trenton Cannon was drafted. Yes. Uh, he was taking the sixth round. Mike Boone round. should have been drafted. I, I think he's got a little poor man's, like, uh, Cherrick Cohen to him a okay. little bit. Um. And last week they got him going early. I saw somebody, uh, or uh, they they got him going early. They had a um, they called a wheel route for him in the first quarter, and he gained 35 yards beating uh, Eric Kendricks. Um, and he wound up leading the team in receiving. And if you look at the pass catcher core right now for the Jets, man, I mean, it is decimated. I don't even think Robbie Anderson is going to play on Sunday, dealing with a uh, potential high ankle sprain. Quincy Anunwa already out multiple weeks with a severe high ankle sprain. They had to cut Terrell Pryor due to a groin injury. Jermaine Curse out there just running wind sprints. Trenton can't look. He's he's a desperation play. Okay, I, you, you're probably going to be. You're not going to consider him unless you're in a dynasty league or a 14 teamer. Um, but I actually am in a 14 teamer, and I'm going to be starting him. It's, it's full PPR because he can catch passes. That's what we want. We want him to step into like Bilal Powell's role essentially, although we want him to be used more than, than Bilal Powell was used uh, in the passing game. We want the Jets to fall behind in this game, which I think that there's a good chance that they will. The Bears' offense has started to function at a pretty good level. And we want to see like Trenton Cannon maybe even split out on some routes hmm. because Sharon Peak, Andre Roberts, Deontay Burnett, I mean, 
it's really, really bad in this receiver core right now. And Trenton Cannon, um, again, at very least, you want to add him in Dynasty. And um, I think that he's in play as like a desperation flex option uh, behind Isaiah Crowell in this game where I think that the Jets are likely to fall behind. I mean, that's like a group of preseason skill position players that the Jets are using right now. So that'll be interesting to watch. Evan, you're the man. Go check out Evan's matchups column up on Roto World right now. Evan also joins me on Sunday's episode of Roto World Live, which is on Roto World's YouTube page. Never checked it out? You should. You should also check out, again, the DFS Toolkit. It is free through October 29th. And right after this, we have Roto Pat, so stick around. My friends, you beautiful people, listen up. I'm going to tell you about Draft.com. There are friends over at Draft.com. Before I get into anything else, go to draft.com slash rotoworld or download the app and use promo code rotoworld. What will that do? It'll allow you to have a free entry into a draft when you insert money, when you deposit money. And draft is different because draft is not one of these salary based DFS platforms. No, 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 my friends. Instead, you actually wait for it. You draft. Yes, you draft a quarterback two running backs, and two wide receivers slash tight ends. There's prizes that range from $10 all the way up to thousands of dollars. There's entry groups that are three people all the way up to 10 people. I mean, there are tournaments. There's all these great things. Go over to our friends over at draft.com slash rotoworld or enter promo code rotoworld in your app that you downloaded from the app store or from Google Play and have some fun. All right, Pat. Time for us to have some fun as well. I'm going to skip all that f- lovey-dovey fluff. Okay, Pat? We're going to get right. right into it. Your rankings are up on Rotoworld right now. Let's start with Mitchell Trubisky. You have him as quarterback 13. He's put up like 30 plus points the last two weeks, Pat. How do you explain this measly outside of the top 10 ranking for Mitchell? No respect? Uh, limited respect. Uh, he's in a, he's like a great illustration of, of it, the obvious differences between real life and fantasy. Cause I mean, anyone who saw the game last week knows that Mitchell Trubisky was terrible, but he just happened to have an amazing fantasy day. Uh, so far his season is kind of reminding me of, uh, like 2015 Blake Bortles that hmm. season of Blake Bortles had 35 touchdowns, you know? And people were kind of like, oh, it's going to be a different Bortles. It was also Bortles' sophomore season. And, like, he, he put up, like, you know, just a lot better stats while not really – he didn't make, like – he his motion wasn't any different. Like, uh, his, like, pocket away. luck plays a part in production sometimes, Pat? I am, Josh. Shocking. Uh, I know, a very shocking revelation. That's why, that's why we didn't do the fluff today because we had to just get straight to that shocking revelation that luck <laughs> – has something to do with football production, but uh, to me, this is like a very groundbreaking analysis we're giving the people today. The Jets are still banged up. I mean, it's not like a super difficult match. It's not like an easy matchup. It's not like a super difficult home matchup for Trubisky. But you know, Allen Robinson might be out. Not that he throws to Allen Robinson. He can only throw to running backs and tight ends. Another uh, staple of bad quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, I just I can't, I have a very hard time going all in on people that I think are not good at the game of football, and I just have not seen evidence yet that Mitchell it, Trubisky is actually good at the game of football. It's an interesting case study, though, because this kind of points to the offensive coordinator running the offense and in the hopes of the quarterback not messing it up, right? But And not to, you know, get into the subject a little bit too much, Pat, but, you know, whenever we talk about prospects that are quarterbacks that are more athlete than passers – 
Um, more often than not, let's just be honest, people refer to black quarterbacks like that, correct? In in recent years, Pat, it's actually been white quarterbacks. It's been your Josh Allens. It's been your Mitchell Trubisky's because he totally is more athlete than quarterback uh, in terms of where he creates and where he succeeds. And that was more evident than probably any other game than against the Patriots last weekend when he really could have had, and I know one interception was on the defensive side, it's a great play, but he had two more in the red zone and the end zone that should have been picked off. Like it just wasn't a good day, despite what the stats were saying. Like you said, he's been like, yeah, like deluxe Josh Allen so far, basically, which, you but, know, there are worse things to be. You don't want to yeah. be uh, a poor man's Josh Allen, but uh, he's at least a, a deluxe Josh Allen. That would be yeah, not good. Uh, but again, it just speaks to Matt Nagy, right? Like how well of a job he's doing. And even Bill Belichick said it on the sidelines of, that was in a mic'd up sound clip that said like, he's not going to beat us with his arm. He's going to beat us with his feet. But again, Pat, like what we always talk about is what rich terms, the Konami code, right? Rushing stats for quarterbacks just gives them a floor. So that's always the possibility here with Trubisky as well. It's an interesting one moving forward. And like, no matter what 16 games is a small sample size for quarterbacks. And so we can't even like make conclusions after this year necessarily with Trubisky. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch the rest of the way. Let's keep it moving, Pat, with running backs. There was a running back on the Raiders going on injury reserve. That is Marshawn Lynch. So, Pat, now we have the reemergence, if you want to call it that, of Doug Martin, who you have as running back 24 in your rankings that are up on Roto World. And then you have Jalen Richard as running back 29. I mean, you're kind of saying, Pat, Doug Martin is startable. Unfortunately, I am, because basically that's what John Gruden has been saying, where they're essentially have vowed to plug Doug Martin uh, directly into Marshawn Lynch's role. And Marshawn Lynch's role was 15 weekly carries. Uh, you know, Doug Martin, 2.99 yards per carry since the start of the uh, 2016 season. So even if he's inserted like literally directly into Marshawn Lynch's role, uh, Doug Martin's badness, I think will make for more like 12 to 13 weekly carries than like 15 to 16. But I, I have great faith in John Gruden's uh, willingness to square peg, uh, like a, to basically fit the Doug Martin square peg into the round hole that is his offense, and even if it's not working, to keep banging his head against the wall. So I just think, I, I, I think anytime you get like 12 to 15 carries, which is what I'm expecting for Doug Martin, you're going to be on that RB2 radar, especially because, you know, Jalen Rassard's not going to get the red zone carries. So we know that. Yeah. The only and, question uh, is if. Oakland's even going to be able to score, right? Haven't they combined for 13 points over the last two games? Richard's the one that's interesting to me, Pat. One, I think the Colts' offense is obviously quite good. I mean, Andrew Luck is playing top five football right now, top seven football. I'm not going to go out and list them, but he's playing really good. And it's not like the Raiders' defense is any good either. So in order to keep up with that team, we know that when the Raiders get down, that's when they turn to Jalen Richard and not Marshawn Lynch slash now Doug Martin. So... He better get those carries in the first quarter in the first half. Yeah, Rashard is certainly more interesting. Um, yeah. Definitely, if we're gonna like a, like a apply labels to players, uh, Rashard is someone I'd be more excited about starting. But but I unfortunately just think Doug Martin's floor yeah. is probably more predictable, more bankable, uh, despite how bad he is and despite how bad this Raiders offense is. Okay, let's keep it going with Alshon Jeffrey, Pat, who you have as wide receiver twenty six. Now some news has happened since I uh, pinpointed this one that we're going to discuss. Uh, A.J. Boyer is not going to play in this game. He's not traveling with the Jaguars. So that kind of opens up one cornerback spot. 
Um, I know that Doug Peterson mentioned that he expects Jalen Ramsey to shadow Alshon, but Pat, I think wide receiver 26 is super low, um, like super late considering that right now the Eagles offense is Carson Wentz to Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz to Alshon Jeffrey. And that's absolutely it. And Carson Wentz is playing unbelievable football right now, despite this final three plays or whatever against the Panthers. Yeah, this might have to be one I reevaluate a little bit because yep. yeah, since I put out the article, like you said, Boye got ruled out. A Tyler Patman also ruled out. So the Jags are going to be running low on healthy corners. Um, he's probably, we know, almost certainly know he's going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. But Jalen Ramsey's actually lost a few matchups this year. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's been on the injury report a lot. Uh, he hasn't missed a game, but I feel like maybe he's not 100% healthy. And like I said in the article, Alshon's been kind of like old man strengthening people. This is true. And I could, can certainly see that happening again in London. So he, he is probably someone I'll tick up. But, yeah, I mean, you have to – there's always a bit of a Jalen Ramsey tax. And if uh, Alshon Jeffrey gets erased uh, by Jalen Ramsey, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, he'll throw to Zach Ertz 15 times. He'll throw to Tyler or uh, Wendell Smallwood six to seven times. So – He'll have other places to look. But yeah, Alshon, I think I might move into more secure wide receiver two ter- territory, even though it's hard to ever get truly excited about something facing Jalen Ramsey. It just like, kind of like you said, there are yeah. reasons where you don't have to view it as like a complete stay away. Yeah, like we talk about funnel defenses or whatever, right? Like um, you obviously care about defenses. That's why you even have them ranked that low because Alshon's played really good football. But I again, I, I think that, they're so limited offensively running the football, especially against the Jaguars, that it's, again, going to be to Zach Hurts and to Alshon, even if it's forced, because we know that Carson can put it where he wants to put it. We know that, like you mentioned, um, Alshon can go up and get it in those contested situations. But Alshon it'll be a fun tangle. matchup if, if Jalen Ramsey does shadow him, that's for sure. Alshon did tangle with Xavier Rhodes a few weeks ago and had his worst game of the season. Good that's point, not Pat. That's not, that's not why I'm doing this ranking, but yeah, just like, uh, yeah, just food for thought. That's a good point. Um, let's close it out with Demarius Thomas, who of all these, Pat, I think you're way off on. Um, but you know, I still love you. I still think you're a wonderful human being and a handsome man. Um, Demarius <laughs> Thomas, you have as a wide receiver 23. He's facing the Kansas city chiefs. Um, Demarius Thomas, when he hasn't found the end zone is like wide receiver 40 something. Okay. And I know that Reeves in the worksheet pointed out that the Kansas City Chiefs have only allowed one wide receiver to find the end zone since in the last, I think, five weeks. Um, so basically you're banking at wide receiver 23 for Demarius Thomas, either to somehow rack up a lot of yards and Case Keenum playing well, or for him to find the end zone. I was almost certain you were going to think this was too low. So now wow. I'm a little scared that you think it's too high. It's my little counterpunch uh, I give you. Yeah, it was definitely a nice little counterpunch. And it's funny because he's already faced the Chiefs this year and had a bad game. Mm. Um, but if you're looking for some narratives, you know, of course, he's facing the Chiefs. The Reeb stat is compelling, but it, after only six, seven games, it's still probably kind of fluky. Sure. I mean, the Chiefs are allowing over 300 passing yards per game. Uh, you know, could be Demarius Thomas's final game as a Bronco. You know, why not, why not showcase Demarius ahead of uh, trying to pawn him off on some unsuspecting uh, – I don't know, Jerry Jones or something. So there could be that <laughs> element 2020 first round pick. <laughs> yeah. So there, there could be that element of play, but yeah, I mean, it's a great matchup. Uh, he has, he's had like kind of stubbornly consistent usage. Like you said, he has been touchdown dependent, but he's not having like the bottom fallout games where he's only catching like two passes for 15 yards and pretty consistently catching around five passes. And 
this is the guys behind him. I mean, what do you expect from Doug Baldwin? Julian Edelman hasn't displayed a ceiling since he's been back. Uh, Devin Funches, a really tough matchup in the Ravens. Michael Crabtree is Michael Crabtree, et cetera, et cetera. So just, I, I never feel good about having Demarius Thomas ranked this high, but I, I do think – I do not think – clearly, since it's my own rankings, <laughs> I do not think it's unreasonable to have him. At yeah, why are you just kind of shaky, huh? It is, and, you know, it, it, it's weird. It, it kind of comes in waves because – Like the like, top 20. Like kinda, you have Kenny Galladay at 20, John Brown at 19, Golden Tate at 18. Everything above that you feel good about. Right, maybe even Josh Gordon throw him in there as well. But then after that, you like they're just question marks that you can have for every single player. Yeah, you, I kind of like. I feel like the wide receiver one tier is deeper than ever. Then like wide receiver two, three are a little shakier than usual, and like wide receiver four or five, there's like a lot of upside guys this year. But it's guys like uh, like Robbie Anderson, uh, Christian Kirk, and now like Traycon Smith. Right? There's more guys than usual that have plausible upside but you just have no idea how to ascertain if they're going to hit it or not. So it's definitely like a kind of a more unpredictable year receiver than I was expecting. And probably everyone was expecting. And then Larry Fitzgerald all the way at wide receiver 45. Hey, Byron Leftwich vowed to get him going, but still got to hedge that for at least a week. Uh, uh, Pat, what do you put on your pizza? Can I, can I make a guess? You can. You kind of seem like a black olives on pizza person. No, in fact, I do not like olives at all. Okay. Um, it was either one or the other. You either love them or you hate them. I'm always a traditionalist. Uh, so I okay. like vanilla ice cream, like pepperoni pizza. I like sausage pizza. So yeah. I'm usually not very flashy um, with my pizza choices. As I've gotten older, uh, my dad always enjoys deluxe pizzas. As, as I've, what is you know, matu- if I, if I was always mature, if I, as I have matured into an adult, I've started to appreciate the deluxe pizza. But I still think a simpler is better. What is what is on a deluxe pizza? It's like the same thing as a Supreme. It's probably maybe a St. Louis word. The the main yeah, St. Louis that? chain calls their Supreme pizzas deluxe pizzas. Oh, got it. Does we do like peppers and vegetables and black olives and stuff. Do you like not that? know like a Supreme pizza is? No, like if I'm gonna get what? pizza, I'm just gonna get pepperoni and call it a day. Are you too much of an elitist to have pizza, Josh? You don't even know what a Supreme or a Well, I try not to eat carbs because I really don't move other than out of my desk and back into my (laughs) desk. And so in order to maintain whatever level of figure, despite the love handles and tire (laughs) around my waist, um, I cannot eat carbs. Because if I eat carbs, I will gain like five pounds in a day. It's not even a joke. When you're in this podcast, the first thing you need to do is Google what is a deluxe pizza and your world will be opened. Okay. Interesting. All right. All right, Pat. Now you're making me think about pizza, and I live right above one. Uh, that is Roto Pat. Pat joins me on Sunday's episode of Roto World Live. Tune in, noon Eastern. Face, uh, Facebook, yes, and YouTube. YouTube, uh, Roto World's YouTube page. Go and subscribe and check it out. Also, Pat's rankings are up on Roto World right now. And subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it at all, and especially if you enjoyed Supreme Pizza. Pat, I love you. You're the man. And to everyone else, I love you too. You're beautiful. And I'll talk to you all soon. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.